I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Eureka, the show that gets under the skin of science in a good way as we invite a new expert every week to help us answer one of science's most interesting questions. I'm Rick Edwards. And I'm Dr. Michael Brooks. And today is our Halloween special. Woohoo! Or should I say, woohoo? I mean, if I was doing this episode, if I was leading it, you'd be like, it'd just be crammed with fantastic puns. Yeah, uh, I think our. Uh, I speak for everyone listening when I say, thank fuck it isn't you leading. <laughs> Rude. But true. Yeah, so um, um, as someone who I know used to channel the devil to hit apples, <laughs> you, <laughs> you, <laughs> you're perfect for this, aren't you, really? I mean, well, occultist Rick Edwards. Yeah, I mean, that's a long time ago, and uh, it does make me think maybe I need to stop oversharing on this podcast. Um, <laughs> Are but, you going to talk listeners through that? No, I mean, I think I have spoken about it before. I just tried to... It's it's simple. We've all done it. I tried to heat No, we up, haven't. I tried to heat up an apple. Using the power um, of your mind. Using the power of my Satan-infested mind. And, uh, you know, I think we've, yeah, fine. Yeah, it um, didn't work, by the way, if anyone's interested. No, but I thought that it did, and it freaked me out. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Which is actually my favourite detail yeah, of the whole I know, thing. I know, I know. Pathetic. <laughs> but uh, we're going to talk about being scared. And I was trying to think of times when I've been genuinely scared. And I've got two that are quite different. Have you got any? I've got one that I can think of. Okay, you can. Right. You, we'll, we'll sandwich yours. All so right. I'm going to do my one that is genuine terror was on a plane in my early twenties, I guess, and we just hit like the worst turbulence that I've that I've I, I've ever experienced in a plane, and I've got no way really of measuring whether it was genuinely awful turbulence, but yeah, I think yeah. it was because interestingly. The people weren't screaming. People just went really fucking quiet. Yeah, that's <laughs> not everyone good. Everyone was just yeah. like, "Oh my!" And uh, I was uh, with a girl, and I was pretending because I thought you got in this situation, you need to try and like, not like be the big man, but just be be reassuring. Yeah, yeah. And I was saying to her, "It's fine. 
Like literally, they will have tested for this. Like, of course, planes know they're going to hit turbulence, yeah. and it's gonna it's gonna feel like this. And as I was saying that, we hit a bit, but it honestly felt like we like smacked into a brick wall, <laughs> and I was just like, Ugh! and this is totally fine. <laughs> and, uh, and as I was saying, I was just thinking, I don't believe this for a second. I, I think I think we might I think we might die. That's the most sort of viscerally scared I think I've I've ever been. So I. I- I, I can think of another plane incident, and weirdly, I was on a plane flying out of Seattle. One of the engines caught on fire. <laughs> oh fuck off! <laughs> no, seriously, it just like big boof, and he looked out the window. And we were sat over the wing, and you could just see like one of the engines is on fire. Mm. But it, it, I thought you, I would be scared. But actually, the bloke sat next to Philip on the other side said, "Oh, not again." <laughs> 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 and and, uh, <laughs> and basically the, the the cabin crew just sort of rolled their eyes and went to sit back down like oh god we're gonna we're gonna go have to go back and they just sort of announcement came on it's like oh we're gonna have to go back so I wasn't scared at all because nobody around me seemed bothered by this at all um, I've had you know what I would call a kind of fear of dying while swimming in a triathlon and I'm sure I've told you about this mm. but um, the waves were really big it was an ocean swim and waves were huge and I just couldn't see anyone else, couldn't see lifeguards or anything. And, and, and I just, I had a panic attack basically and, and just thought mm-hmm. I was going to die and this is, I'm going to drown. And I didn't, but I also told myself, you don't have to go through this shit anymore. No. And I've never done another triathlon since. No, no. Um, but the, the time when I was sort of spookily scared mm. was, um, I'd been to see a play in Hastings and I remember because it, it was one of Philippa's colleagues' husbands was in, Stop in the play. Stop making out like you're always going to play. You're not. <laughs> and we stayed in this B&B in Hastings. And this woman opened the door who was running the B&B. And I swear, in my memory, the door creaks as, <laughs> as, as it opens. <laughs> and uh, I can't remember her name for the life of me. It was something weird. So it was sort of a weird Greek name. I think it might have been Aphrodite or something. T- and <laughs> and she, she opened the door and she said... In the name of Brooks. <laughs> and we were like, shit, what have we got ourselves into? And I swear, it was like a gothic house. And she was the creepiest woman I'd ever come across. And I slept on With my her. back. <laughs> that was quite a pivot. <laughs> Just so that she wouldn't drain my blood. <laughs> no, I literally slept. If I was crude, I'd say, no, drain this. But luckily I'm not. <laughs> luckily I'm not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I slept with, on my back with my arms crossed across my chest because I, <laughs> I got it into my head. This was going to keep her away. I was, yeah, perfect. Uh, just sleep like you're in a coffin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Make her life easier. I just, it just got into my head. It was horrible. Yeah. Worst breakfast I've ever had in a B&B, mm. by the way. Breakfast for Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> so weird. And then a little wink because of last night. <laughs> <laughs> but I was genuine. I don't know why I got so scared because it just seems ridiculous. But it's a bit like that thing about if you're in a haunted house, you are going to actually, despite everything you know about being rational and logical, you are going to be scared. And it was like being in a haunted house. Okay, my second very scared memory pretty sure i have told you this before is when i was a kid and i would say to my parents i don't like black and white films and they were like you it's not a genre you little idiot <laughs> and i'd be like i don't like them they're boring and so they made me watch psycho uh on my own i mean I, this is oh, weird good it? Well, parenting yeah really good parenting 
So curtains pulled, definitely. I'm pretty sure on my own, but I need to check with them on that. But I think on my own and like Psycho's terrifying anyway. Yeah. But at that age, I think I was like nine or ten. <laughs> curtains pulled. I mean, I was absolutely shitting it. Yeah. Um, and it does mean that I don't like horror films now. <laughs> like, and you haven't had a shower I since? I can't. No, no, no. No. Um, Honestly, so, I mean, Mr. and Mrs. Edwards, what are you uh, thinking? Well, I think they proved their point. It's a good I'm film. I'm not sure it's the best way. <laughs> no, mate, to, no, to maybe not. Point. I mean, they haven't released a, a parenting handbook as yet. <laughs> 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 I, I, I respect them for it. Um, but uh, yeah, that was, that, that was deeply terrifying. And actually, I also thought I was going to drown once. I got stuck under a... Effectively, I just got stuck underwater, like caught. Oh, I remember in, you telling like, me, yeah, 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 like reeds yeah. And, and ropes, and I was like, "Oh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be able to get out of this." Yeah, that's a weird thought, isn't it? That, yeah, that sort of like, yeah, Oh, this yeah. is how I. This You're is like, how you oh. drown. Yeah, and then thinking, someone saying that drowning sort of euphoric. It doesn't feel particularly euphoric at the moment. <laughs> not <yet>. Yeah, <laughs> just you wait. <laughs> Picture this. You're home alone, tucked up in bed, and you hear a loud noise in the kitchen. Your muscles tense, palms sweat, heartbeat quickens, skin prickles, and stomach churns. You muster the courage to get up and investigate the noise. Tiptoeing quietly down the hall, you edge closer and closer to where the noise came from. Slowly, you twist the doorknob, open the door, and peer into the room. There, in the corner, surrounded by pots and pans on the ground, is your cat. The fear washes away immediately. You're left with relief. But why does that feeling feel so good? Is it just the feeling of relief, or is it something more? That's why this week we're asking, why do we like to be scared? Because another version of that where you come down and surrounded by the pots and pans is Aphrodite. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, come to me, Brooks. Brooks. <laughs> Brooks. <laughs> how old do you reckon she was? She was like late 50s. And so how black hair, that? dyed black hair. Like Beautiful. really fucking like, horrible. Like straight out of the ring. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. How long ago was this? Oh, this was this must have been like twenty years ago. So Maybe. she's she's probably still around, still yeah. dying that hair black. I'm gonna have to look up BMBs and Hastings and see if she's still on the game. Is that what the on the game? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a detail we didn't have. <laughs> oh, did I mention that was free? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I say B and B. I guess if you really scrutinise it, one of the B's was, was for brothel. Yeah, <laughs> and so was the other one. It's uh, brothel and brothel. <laughs> no wonder the breakfast is so bad. <laughs> well, we don't really normally do this, but uh, I'll say well, we've got some cornflakes. Uh, so today, <laughs> today we're joined by Stephen Schlossman, which is a good name. Uh, he's an associate professor of psychiatry paediatrics and medical education at Dartmouth Medical School, which is impressive. But, and I really like this about him, he insisted on just being called Stephen. Oh, he's he just says like the only the whole doctor thing. He's like, like the only person who calls him doctor or professor is his mum. You 
could learn a thing or two from this guy. <laughs> You're right. I should, He's casual I, about I should it. make my mum call me Dr. Brooks as well. <laughs> uh, he's also uh, a writer. Most recently wrote a non-fiction book on, on film and health called Film Arts for Health. But he's also written a number of horror novels and short stories such as The Zombie Autopsies. Wow. This guy knows his stuff when it comes to fear. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. And um, I mean... I guess reading the zombies autopsies and I mean, that's, that's sort of going to be scary in a way. I remember reading Dracula and actually finding it quite scary at the mm-hmm, start. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's ridiculous the second half, but the first half is quite scary. Um, and, uh, but that's a different fear from like danger fear. Like we're talking about like planes falling out of the sky or whatever, isn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll go into this in more detail, but sort of, it seems fairly obvious that there's not, any enjoyment in immediate genuine danger right um and if you do find enjoyment in that it might be worth checking out our psychopath episode (laughs) (laughs) so i want to tell you about a a person i came across in researching this episode who i just i basically i read about and was like this person is fantastic (laughs) so she's called uh dr margie kerr um and she's a sociologist and so she's associated with a with a university, I think. But she also works at somewhere called Scarehouse <laughs> in in Pittsburgh. And this is a this is a haunted house where they literally spend a year getting ready for that year's haunted house around the Halloween period. Oh, love and she it. describes herself as a scare specialist. <laughs> that's like what? I mean, it's niche, but I like it. I, it's so good. It's so good. Like what? That's a really good thing at a dinner party where you're doing a boring thing going around. What do you do? Radio. What do you do? My book. Yeah, good one. What do you do? I'm a scare specialist. Right. <laughs> that's who I'm speaking to. Yeah. <laughs> that is excellent. Um, and so she's, you know, she spent a lot of time thinking about how to scare people what the best way of doing it is and then also why people enjoy it and it sort of all comes down to there's two things really your first response to being scared is that classic sort of fight or flight yeah where your body is like fucking hell (laughs) this is why you shit yourself yeah Yeah, we need yeah, yeah. yeah here we need to get ready to defend ourselves or flee or yeah. something because we're in danger. And people differ in their in their, their chemical response because that, that is all chemicals and, and hormones. Yeah. And people do differ. So it's not like, you know, some people you might say, oh, you're, you're, you, it's, they're a bit of a scaredy cat and this person doesn't, you know, doesn't, doesn't scare easily. That's not a sort of choice necessarily. It might just be that they have slightly different brain chemistry. Yeah. Okay. So fr- from the get go, some people are going to feel feel these same events differently. Yeah. Which kind of I, I think makes makes a bit of sense, doesn't it? But ultimately, you know, fight or flight. You've you've got a load of adrenaline. You've got endorphins. You've got dopamine. All, all this kind of stuff flooding around, and they're all very similar actually to the the the, chemi- the chemicals that you'd have flooding around if you're happy or or, or excited so you can kind of see yeah, where enjoyment might yeah. come into it already but the key thing that we've already sort of alluded to is to enjoy it you have to know that you are in a safe setting like no one is is sort of thinking yes <laughs> I seek out genuine terror where i honestly fear for my life yeah that that is not fun 
that's sort of an indication that there's something wrong with you. You, I would it? say so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That 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 doesn't really that doesn't really fly for the vast majority of people. Yeah. And what happens in the brain is really interesting. So, fear is obviously a very useful sort of evolved bit of biology. Yeah. And it's a real continuum as well. So you can see it in, and it's like again, and we we have this discussion quite a lot, don't we, about what sort of what emotional states would mean in animals. But you can see something, or you might not call it fear, but a sort of reaction to a threat stimulus. Yeah. And that can be as simple as, you know, you you touching a, a snail's antenna and it kind of cringing away. Yeah. Or right through to sort of existential angst in humans. Yeah. And you can kind of put them on the on the, the fear continuum. So it's a whole range of emotions yes yeah, yeah um but at, it, at its very heart it's kind of deep wired in in into arguably all living things yeah that you need to have something and it would have evolved over millennia something that protects you from perceived threats yeah absolutely essential survival it's mechanism to- totally yeah. if something's threatening your your integrity or ex- or your existence you, you need to a be aware of it and, and b probably get the fuck out. Of yeah, it. have an appropriate yeah. reaction. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so that that's really clear. But there's two levels to it in humans. So you sort of have your kind of primal animal brain instinct, which is that fight or flight. So that, that's triggered. Yeah. And then you have what you could call your sort of thinking brain, which assesses context and. Once it's assessed context and sort of said, oh, actually, you're not really in danger, that is when you enjoy it. So Margie Kerr talks about this a lot. How often you see people in the haunted house jump and scream and then very quickly sort of start smiling and laughing. Yeah, yeah. And that's literally what's happening. So you're having your sort of your animal brain going, and then and then your sort of your 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 conscious thinking brain going it's all fine. We're just in a haunted house. (laughs) And there's a kind of, uh, you you enjoy that feeling and you, and, and there's sort of, there's a relief as well as you realize that actually in a kind of almost like a sense of confidence. You're like, Oh, we've got through that. That's that's great. And, and sort of feeling in control, but it's those two things kind of working, not in opposition, but just working together. And the animal brain always just, is, is quicker because it's almost like yeah, a reflex, yeah, right, that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you, you get past the reflex and then... Yeah, then yeah, you and, 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 your, and your brain's of, oh, like... Oh, yeah, okay. That's funny. Yeah. So presumably, like, I mean, it's hard to imagine, but presumably when humans were living on the savannah and they you know, relied on their instinct and their, that kind of you know, survival instinct, it's still they must still have had some kind of sense of pleasure when it was wrong. Or maybe they scared each other around campfires or something. But, you know, there's, I mean, I imagine humans have, like, always had that kind of double yeah. reaction. Yeah, so it's quite messed up in a way, isn't it? You're like, why have we... It's like a really twisted yeah. enjoyment, isn't it? Twisted yeah. pleasure. Yeah, and how long have we been this t- twisted for, essentially? And so I asked Stephen that. As long as we've been telling stories, well, long as we've been talking, we've been telling stories... And as long as we've been telling stories, we often have scary parts in them. People enjoy suspense. They like feeling their heart rate go up. They like the idea of um, 
projecting yourself into the character that you're being told about around whatever primeval campfire you happen to be at. That's why Homer worked. You know, this blind poet wandering around a pretty barbaric time, and he wasn't going to tell poems just about people going for a walk. He was going to tell poems about some pretty scary, awful things, and that makes people lean in. They want to listen to it, and and from it. I think we're able to put ourselves in circumstances that are more real, but we can tolerate putting ourselves there more because it's in this, you know, outlandish fictional world. So it's basically escapism, isn't it? You get caught up in a fictional world,、yeah. but you still get to experience real emotions. Yeah, yeah. Which and that, and that you know you kind of go yeah I, I I get that I think and you're. You're getting to experience really sort of high-level arousal states, but in that safe environment. Yeah. yeah.、Um, and we've been, yeah, we've been doing it for, as Stephen was saying, for for years and years. And roller coasters is a really interesting. One. Oh、so、yeah. Did yeah. a bit of research into this, and they first started sort of proto roller coasters in 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 Russia. Um, and they were called Russian ice slides. It's called mid seventeenth century, and they're effectively just like extended sleigh rides. So you just go up to the top of a icy mountain, and they they would put in some man made bumps to make it a bit more, and then you just absolutely bolt down it. <laughs> it、That's、sounds fantastic. quite fun. Yeah. yeah.、Uh, and then and then they gradually just sort of elaborated. So and then by the by the eighteenth century, they'd kind of put some wooden wooden beams on to kind of like not quite tracks, but suddenly approaching tracks, kind of keep you. Roughly along along the path,、uh, and and then they'd start actually building like artificial ice mountains,、um, and then they they bought in tracks and they bought in carriages,、um, and then by the I think nineteenth century they're starting to do the classic sort of haunted house thing where painting scary images on walls、uh, that、nice. you go past,、okay. really really cool actually, and then in、uh, in I think it's in Pennsylvania in the in the nineteenth century you had these kind of gravity powered Little railways for for coal, and、yeah. at the weekends people would rent those out for、no. fun. Yeah, just be like,、oh, can we have a go、brilliant. on those? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, just like razzing down on those. So the kids were definitely doing that in the、uh, evenings, weren't they? Totally, like really. It, it makes you excited. Just yeah, 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 like, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. ideal. Yeah.、Um, so we've been trying that for for for, for ages. I remember. Back when I was a kid, I was like probably about eleven or twelve, playing on a building site with a mate of mine, Jeremy Sidafin, if you're listening,、mm-hmm. and、uh, we found this massive drainage pipe, which we realised was at the top of a slope, and so I just got in it, and he pushed it. And we just—I just bundled down this slope in this huge drain. I mean, I was—I must have come out pretty battered and bruised, but yeah, I loved—I remember、yeah. the feeling of like that was brilliant. Yeah,、and、obviously he couldn't do it because we couldn't push it back up the slope, so it was just me. Yeah, yeah, but, but euphoria, euphoria, and, 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 and really guess, bloody dangerous when I think about it now. Well, yeah, but I think that at the time you wouldn't have thought that it was. No,、good. no, it、If、didn't even had, occur to me it was dangerous. If you had, I think you would have—you wouldn't have enjoyed it. Yeah. Probably true. But you, you felt like oh, this this will be fine and fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's it's quite useful to think about where fears would come from as well, whether it's sort of innate or learned. And I think it's it's a bit of both, really.、Um, but you can definitely learn to fear things, and so your socialization and the place that you grow up in will have a big influence over what. 
what you find scary. But you do see themes emerge. So if you think about the kind of like mythical creatures, yeah. So whether it's you know an abominable snowman or the Loch Ness monster or whatever, really, one of the things that they they tend to all do is sort of in in weird ways like violate the laws of nature and we that that always unsettled us yeah always like we just kind of if it doesn't quite make sense which is why victorian freak shows like pt barnum stuff where he'd sort of you know, sew a monkey's head onto a fish's yeah, body and, that right, kind of, right. and people are like ah and why you had just, the, the minotaur in the, in the yeah yeah exactly yeah, that yeah. that kind of thing where it's just like it's just not quite right it's yeah. off yeah and that that sort of freaks us out but in but can be in, again quite a sort of pleasurable way but people can become afraid of anything and you will love this so in the 1920s back when science was science and you could just you'd do, do what you, you like, what you, like. Yeah, yeah. You, you want to be a bit naughty be a bit naughty <laughs> it's science yeah they did an experiment with um little albert and little Albert is uh, a baby, and they just sort of, in a, in a classic sort of Pavlovian way, right. made Albert terrified of anything white and fluffy. Oh, amazing! <laughs> so, so they did it with a with a white rat actually. Oh, nice. and so he's okay. and a white rat actually quite cute. Yeah, they come in, but as soon as the as soon as he touched the white rat, you go to sort of pet it. Electric uh, shock? No, not electric. They just absolutely clatter a metal bar. It's a horrible sound, <laughs> and the baby's like, ah. uh, and then and it. But the interesting thing about it was. It then wasn't just the rat, so you could bring in like a cute white fluffy bunny, yeah. and Albert would be like, <laughs> um, <laughs> even even I think they did it with like a sort of Santa Claus, like someone coming in with oh, a big yeah, white yeah, fluffy yeah. face, terrified. <laughs> um, so <laughs> so we know science, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's not. I mean, it kind of you know proved a sort of point yeah. that you can. Yeah. Yes, you you can create a fear around sort of is is can be arbitrary, right? Um, so we know what uh, happened to Albert in later life. Well, this bit because the first bit I was like, yeah, that's terrible, but I suppose that they they sorted him out afterwards. Of course they didn't. <laughs> no, but they talked. I think they talked about it, and they were, and, and 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 the lead scientist was like, no, I think that might be more damaging. <laughs> uh, so they, they they thought well, we can probably we'll undo just leave this, him. yeah. But they just left him, yeah. Um, and there's no record, obviously, of sort of how that affected him. <laughs> it's just, I mean, it's classic. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, well, I know he's going to enjoy that, <laughs> my man. Just left him in a field of sheep <laughs> and just some nice white fluffy clouds. Eating marshmallows. Yeah, I mean, poor oh, kid. Poor yeah. old kid. But whilst we're on experiments that you will love, um, yeah. <laughs> I found another one that I really enjoyed. And this this kind of is looking into whether there's a there's a genetic component. And as I said, like oh, some okay. people, and there the, the will be. It looks like it's a, it's a heritable trait, so a, a tendency towards anxiety or fear in yeah. humans looks heritable um and that doesn't mean that you're going to be uh like if your mum is scared of this thing you're going to be scared of this thing although nurture may produce yes that. yeah yeah but the tendency to be more scared yeah yes and then you know your environment will, will dictate 
what, okay. what, yeah. what form that fear eventually sort of manifests itself in. And there's uh, <laughs> some people, obviously, have thought, well, I wonder if we can do this with uh, mice. <laughs> Bring in the mice. Uh, and they do an open, what's called an open field test. Uh, and the open field test is just you a, a brightly lit uh, box with no no hiding places and you find that you have a, a real range of reactions to this fr from mice so you have mice who will just sniff around and explore and roam and yeah. pretty pretty chilled yeah and then you have pussy mice <laughs> <laughs> and pussy mice just like sit perfectly still and they cower and they and they constantly piss and shit themselves. <laughs> and so and most mice are somewhere in between. Like yeah. but there's definitely there's basically brave mice and then the pussy mice. They don't call them pussy mice in the experiment, but that's no, what but they, they are. should. <laughs> yeah, they should do. And so, spade to spade and, and then that. you breed the pussy mice oh. <laughs> together and you have a line of pussy mice. Brilliant. So then you just, and they're, they're really highly anxious, fearful mice. And it's not learnt from the family. So what you can do is you can, you, take a, them. you can take a pussy mouse and put it in a family full of the nails mice. Yeah. So you've got these, these fearless siblings and fearless mother. And it will still be an absolute pussy. <laughs> because it's hardwired to be a pussy. <laughs> Science. <laughs> Oh, Imagine so being that mouse, just it's... shitting yourself the whole time. But at least, literally, at, at least you don't know any different. I don't think that's no. I know. No, I know that's I that's know. no comfort. Is I it? know. I know. I mean, you're having a miserable. You time. are having a miserable, really, life. really miserable life. Um, but but it sort of makes sense then that. You couldn't do the same thing with people. You could, maybe you could actually. Well, but I, I think you'll find I it in yeah. my school playground. Yeah. It's all happened. Well, you weren't breeding kids. <laughs> <laughs> but the but yeah, as, as I was saying, the sort of specific associations or phobias that someone's going to have are almost exclusively going to come from association with individual, you know, environmental yeah, experiences, yeah. and which is which is nurture, and 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 also just because I think it's always worth pointing these things out it's not that there is a a fear gene obviously yeah there's fear and anxiety will be influenced by a whole load of genes and effectively what we coming back to the brain chemistry what we think is happening is that you've got these genes that control various neurotransmitters and their receptors that are going to be present in various forms across the general population and then you'll get a particular combination of those from from your parents and they will predispose you to respond to a greater or lesser degree to events in your environment in, in terms of in terms of anxiety and fear. yeah 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 um, so they didn't take the pussy mouse and just like do a genetic analysis and find oh yeah this is the thing they no. just literally are like oh we haven't really learned much from that apart from well, you, no, no, you but can I think, create them well no but that it it's it's heritable yeah and, yeah and and difficult to overcome yeah is there any comfort to the mouse involved? No, I don't think so. No, but, um, I, I, the mouse is like, I could have told you that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just you just had to ask, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> uh, but then, um, and not not true for the mice, but for for us, it, it it then becomes all about your individual histories, you know. And yeah, so the, yeah. Like the 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 type and the strength and and the, and the number and and, and duration of 
events in your yeah. life that sort of fit that kind of fear profile will then influence how much your lives are affected by it. And this is why you don't watch black and white films anymore, presumably. Well, uh, no, horror films. Black and white, I'm fine with. Uh, yeah, horror films. Uh, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Mr. and Mrs. Edwards. Yeah. But you can also, it's, you can also have sort of, again, this is something that um, old Margie from, uh, from Scarehouse or whatever it's yeah, called yeah. Uh, talked about. It's the fact you can have good, you can have good scares and, and bad scares. And it's effectively about getting the balance yeah, right. But yeah. so, you, so you want enough excitement caused in, in the sort of, as in fear, causing like your animal brain. And then enough sort of sense of control in your sort of contextual thinking brain. And if, the emotional brain is too terrified <laughs> then and the cog- and the cognitive brain is sort of can't can't override it that is not going to be great yeah and equally if the emotional brain is a bit bored the and the cognitive brain is is sort of too suppressed and it's not it's not so fun all right so there's a there's sort of a sweet spot yeah. in terms See, of I, I would to say scare people like i remember going to alton towers and, and the sweet spot for me is the roller coasters are scary but enjoyable yeah Whereas I went on the Saw ride, I think that was Alton Towers. Yeah. It was just unpleasant. I mean, yeah. the whole thing is yeah, unpleasant yeah, yeah, start yeah, to yeah. finish. Yeah, I and mean, that that's my experience of roller coaster. I like it when there's sort of a bit of light and shade. So there's yeah. bits where you're like, ah, this is nice. And yeah, we're yeah. going quite fast, but we all feel like yeah. And then a, a horrifying bit, and then back to, yeah. whereas some of them are just like relentless. This is it was just horror, horror, Let horror. me off, let yeah. me off, yeah. let me off, yeah. let me off. Yeah. Let me off. <laughs> Let me off, you pricks. <laughs> yeah, I don't like that. Yeah. Um, and then the other, well, the reason that, um, sort of, for me anyway, that seemingly, and this very much fits in with the model we're talking about, that seemingly quite sort of straightforward fairground rides are terrifying is because you don't trust that the people who have put the thing together have done it correctly. Yes. Yeah. So there's the fear that this is actually and dangerous. And sometimes that fear is justified. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, I remember being on a, a a a fairground sort of galleon, you know, the one that just sort oh yeah yeah, and every time I went past the ground, I'd just see these bolts lying on the floor. <laughs> I was just like, "What the f-? <laughs> like? Where's that supposed to be?" Like, it was horrible. <laughs> I wonder if they put those bolts there. I think they might as a way of it's just a like good, getting into yeah, your head. Well, it 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 worked with me. It shipped me right up. <laughs> I couldn't wait for it to end. Is there like a public mood that sort of changes how much we enjoy horrors as well? I mean, like if you're obviously if you're in the middle of a war, like something like that, mm. you know, you're not going to be looking for horror films because you know stuff is happening yeah, around. You've got you. enough horror, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I imagine there's a kind of sense of like you know we're in austerity at the moment. Maybe people aren't looking for sort of those kind of scares. Is that true? Well, I kind of put this to Stephen actually because I'm I've read stuff about this before and I'm slightly unconvinced. Horror films increase in popularity during times of global distress or during times of, say, national distress if they're within a, a specific nation. I know that literature more about zombies because that was what I wrote about for a while. And there was a whole literature about zombies becoming, zombie stories becoming more popular during times of economic distress that has held up more or less. And it's it's a little, you know, it's a correlation. It's not a causation. So we get to then think out loud about the causes. And I think the causes are, again, that we're feeling this general sense of uneasiness and uncertainty, and we don't like that feeling. So we go to a place where we can have that same feeling, but in a way that's contained and fictional, that allows us then to practice it. 
to get better at it, and also to think about how we ourselves respond to this sense of unease. I mean, with zombies, it's obviously like, you know, I bet during the pandemic, because that that whole thing about, you know, there's, there's movies and stuff that, that we associate with things like viral outbreaks mm-hmm. and everything. So, so I imagine that people wanted to explore that kind of stuff during the pandemic. Well, there was a massive, I think, contagion, the Jude Law film oh, yeah. about yeah. a viral pandemic, um, which is a pretty good depiction of what it could be like yeah. and turned out to be like. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Netflix when, put that back on Netflix, Yeah, yeah, well, it was hugely popular. Yeah. So it went from being, I think it's a Warner Brothers film, and it went from being like, and they have a sort of record of who's watching their, their, their back catalogue. It was sort of like 240th, and then it was second most watched. Yeah, yeah. Like people were really like, yeah, I'll have a go on this. Yeah, yeah. But that's a sort of, there's nothing very complicated about that, I don't think. It's just like, well, people literally at the very start, we're like, Jesus Christ, what's going to happen here? Yeah, it's all a curiosity driven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, I want to be scared by it. I just want to know what might be about to happen in our lives. Um, But there is some interesting stuff about horror and why at certain times in a a sort of country, sort of cultural, economic climate, certain things become more more popular which i'm a, I, just, I think i'm a bit skeptical about but we'll talk about it uh, and also why uh, horror movies are the perfect date movie and we'll try and answer today's question why do we like to be scared after this quick break hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And we're back. Uh, so, so yeah, there's this idea that during sort of periods of suffering in various forms, horror movies get more get more popular. And I sort of wonder, like, the reason that studios like making horror films is that they're, they can be really cheap and make right. a lot of money. So I just wonder if there's something going on with that more than... Like, it's like, I can't quite work out what's coming first. Well, also, people aren't choosing when a horror movie... I guess, in some ways, you know, things that are already made, mm. you can choose to watch. But, like, stuff that's coming out on release, like, that's planned, like, years and years in advance. Yeah, so, yeah. so that's or, not a response Although, horror films can also be made quite quickly. Like, there, there, there is a chance that it could respond. But I just don't really know what the mechanism would be for that. Yeah. Um, but there, there, are, there are some some correlations. Like, you, you can see them. So, um that during the, the Great Depression, you had uh, Dracula, Frankenstein, King Kong, all sort of came out. You kind of go, okay, yeah, fine. Yeah. Um, and then in the the next sort of big horror generation, you could argue was in the mid-70s. So you've got like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre come out in 1974, and that's right slap bang in the middle of the 
recession Big in America recession, around yeah, yeah, yeah. 73 or 75. I just don't know if you can... I, I'd, I'd be... I'm wary of, of saying much about... Yeah, that. yeah. Like, a lot of people have written about it. Because you can um, imagine just having... You know, studio execs having a conversation saying, right, well, you know, things are a bit shit at the moment, so we're only going to make cheap movies for the next couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that... that and then you get your horror more, movies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then um, people love to try and sort of figure out what the symbolism of... So, zombie movies. Yeah. So, zombie movies really went up um, in popularity sort of post 9-11. Uh, and then immediately... Well, it sort of carried on, but then immediately after the... Um, after the uh, the crash, and you know, I think you can sort of quite chin strokey people will say, "Well, the zombies represent blah 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 blah." Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I don't know, I don't know. I I, I feel like, well, it's post hoc, isn't it? You could you could almost get is. any kind of justification for it if if you choose that narrative. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just wonder if I could find enough films in any given year to support any yeah. argument. Basically, we call bullshit. I think I think so. I think Which so. Which is not on, like on, us at all. This. Not, not in the slightest. Um, but just, I know I know that people listening will have um, come across that as a, as a thing that we yeah, talk yeah. about. Um, and I think it's less convincing yeah. than, than, than people make out. What about watching things alone versus watching things with other people? So that ah uh, yeah, I don't really like watching a film, a horror film, on my own. I get n- almost no pleasure from that. I I would say there's something about the sharing of it, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you think back to our festival episode, that really makes sense. Like we are very social animals. We yeah. get a lot from sharing experiences with with people you know that collective effervescence yeah, yeah. idea we, we you see that you know audiences heartbeats will kind of sync up when they're in in high states of arousal and stuff like that so it does make sense that you would want to watch sort of they're better at a cinema aren't they things together yeah absolutely that that collective experience yeah is it is great um and so i i, I asked Stephen about this I think the camaraderie that gets created, both with people you already know, and also it's a great way. I mean, unless it's a really, really dark horror film, it's a great date movie when you think about it because you can you can get close in a way that's not uncomfortable. I don't mean to sound creepy, but it, like it, I mean, this is why people go to horror films for that reason. Now, there are some horror films, just out of curiosity, that actually kind of did incredibly well despite that. Like Night of the Living Dead's a perfect example. 1968, that, you know, it came out at the same time people were seeing movies like I Dated a Teenage Werewolf. Those were like cautionary tales that don't date somebody older than you and will use the metaphor the werewolf. Night of the Living Dead's absolutely devastating. And people went there as date movies thinking that this would give them an excuse to sort of, you know, hug each other and walk out laughing. And instead they went out and had really deep existential discussions. So the other thing that a horror film can do is you can laugh at it, but there's no way to watch Midsummer, for example, and not at the end of it come out and ask yourself all sorts of questions like, was it okay that those old folks jumped off the cliff? Or what do you think about a graduate student pursuing his thesis at the expense of everything else? Like we've all met those graduate students. What does that mean? Like, like you get to have conversations even about yourself that would not be possible in outside of that displacement, that horror. Have you seen either of those films? 
No, because I can't watch um, scary films. <laughs> no, I, I've I not keep, seen either of them I either. I keep thinking I should watch Midsummer because everyone says it's excellent. But I don't know. I mean, that I old just... people jumping off a cliff, I'm already put off. Well, that when I heard that, I was like, oh, that actually sounds all right. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah, but if they're old already, then, um, you know. Oh. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? That's where you are, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm, I'm firmly... You wait. Me. You wait till your turn comes around. When I'm 80, I'm out. <laughs> I've always said it. <laughs> I'm not going to do it by jumping off a cliff, probably, but... But no, I haven't seen Midsummer. I haven't seen Night of the Living Dead. But Night of the Living Dead, by all accounts, is absolutely terrifying. Like, it's terrifying. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be able to handle that no. at all. You should actually make your parents watch it. Yeah. 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 Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that the, you know, we, you just sort of mentioned it. Like we do. The sort of the sharing of the the fear is a big part. Yeah, of definitely. Why why we why we like it. So if you think it's obvious, isn't it? If you go around a haunted house on your own, yeah, I mean, it's just sort of a, it's what, weird. But you, B, well, it's yeah, like, very, very. You're not I mean, get a lot suddenly of you're the creepiest guy <laughs> yeah, in there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> is he? Is that? Is that guy on his own? Is he, part, <laughs> is he part of the thing? I don't. I don't know, but I don't like it. No, you wouldn't want him to come up to you, would you? <laughs> no. <laughs> God. <laughs> Room for Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but the, the the other sort of interesting thing about your. Um, your brain is it really remembers how it how it felt when you watched or experienced something like that with with ah, friends yeah and it and it likes it and it just wants to repeat it so that's why is it like a bonding experience yeah yeah i guess yeah. it would be wouldn't it yeah uh and uh and, and hence stephen's I, th- I think steve just about managed to avoid being creepy just, <laughs> he, it was yeah. a close run thing it was but he, he you know he knew what he was doing yeah um but he went on to talk about how that kind of applies in, in other contexts as well, not just sort of obviously sort of scary, sort of like fear jump scares, but sort of sporting exhilaration and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of folks who've written about this. So there's uh, some data that when those increased stressful moments happen, there's an endorphin release, which is a little bit of hand wavy science where they say something good happens in your brain that feels good. And so we go back and seek it again and again. There's certainly a, a literature out there about people who are more um, thrill seeking or stimulus seeking who actually need a little bit more in order to get themselves excited. Some people are perfectly excited by a, a rainy day and, and its beauty. Other people need there to be a rainy day and to see a tree limb come down or something like like you can we're all we're all very very different but generally speaking the opportunity to experience a stressful circumstance in a safe setting is pretty good for us because then we learn we can we can tolerate that feeling we do the same thing at sporting events too we think about it the penalty kick makes everybody stress so there's a theory that some some people have brains that lack the sort of breaks for want of a, a better word on both dopamine release and reuptake yeah and those people will tend to be i think it's called like t-type or something so like thrill seekers and they just like those kind of thrilling activities yeah okay and again it just comes back to this thing it's just the brain chemistry is a little bit 
different for some reason. But I like the idea that, that stress can be good for you because you immediately, you, you hear things like cortisol yeah. getting released. You're like, well, that's not no. good because yeah. that stress and stress is bad because we're told the whole time that stress is bad. But it turns out that not all stress is, is, is bad and you can have this thing called eustress, which literally means good stress. So you in in Greek means good, hence like euphoria. Uh, okay. um, and and some some Dutch guys did a really nice simple um, experiment with asthmatics, where it, if you put asthmatics in a stressful situation, yeah. generally they will uh, perceive their symptoms as as being more severe. Their asthma symptoms as being more severe, and you go, yeah, that figures. Um, and they they whack them on a roller coaster. <laughs> right. Uh, and being on a roller coaster, your your lung function does uh, physiologically decreases because of all the sort of you yeah, know, the, the agitation forces. and screaming yeah, and blah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But their experience is that they of, of shortness of breath is reduced, so they don't feel that their asthma symptoms are as bad. Okay, because they've had a, a, a sort of effectively a positive experience of stress. They've experienced you stress. What they yeah, would say. yeah. So the idea that stress is always bad is not quite is not quite right. Hold on. So so you put them on a roller coaster and they have still yeah. got asthma. They still got asthma, but their experience of asthma is just is 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 isn't it just displaced by the stress of dealing with the circumstances of the roller coaster? <sighs> so they stop thinking about their asthma, or is that is there some way to control for that? Because mm. if you just uh, stick them in there like well, a, you know, think, a stressful situation, but you're you're asking them afterwards, so I don't know. I I, I know what you mean. That it's ju- is it just a distraction? Yeah, yeah. But I suppose that the thing that is clear is that you've put them into normally a, a normal stressful situation. Yeah, so where I guess they, level you could goes up, say that they're distracted and, by and that. they yeah, yeah and and okay. and and their their symptoms their self perceived symptoms worsen yeah but then in you put them in another sort of positive stressful situation the roller coaster and their asthma symptoms are reduced so the difference is clear because basically they enjoyed themselves yeah yeah they enjoyed themselves even though they got loads of stress it was stress yeah it was stress but it's like a good good stress yeah Yeah, yeah, good stress yeah yeah i'll buy that um Something else uh, that I, I just wanted to add in um, is that there's a, there's a, I don't know if anyone thinks this anymore, but it's definitely a very old school uh, vibe that women find stuff scarier than men. And when you do self-reported studies into this, you do find that women say they are more scared of stuff. Yeah. However. Cultural baggage on that. Yeah. It? However. When you hook people up and measure all of the sort of physical uh, symptoms yeah. of fear, it turns out basically <laughs> men are just like just being the big man. Of course they are. Yeah. yeah. And so there's no, which is yeah. It's, yeah, it's it's uh, of course, um, but there's no there's no physiological difference between men and women in terms of their reaction to fear. Okay. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, I'm. I, I'm almost surprised you didn't say the men are more scared than the women. No, I don't think there's any evidence of that. It's right. just. Uh, it, it's just when everyone's you, when, appropriately scared. Some yeah. people aren't admitting it. Yes. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> exactly that. And also, here's a good thing. 
um, I'm just adding in stuff that I, that I forgot to mention before. But I think you're, I think you're like, <laughs> Go on. is that of the of all of those kind of classic um, physical responses, those fight and fight or flight responses that immediately happen to get to get you ready, triggered by, and it can be triggered literally by anything from like seeing a predator to like we're really good, we react very quickly to the emotion that we see on other people's faces. So if oh, you yeah, see someone yeah. terrified, you're pretty quick to be like, I'm yeah, ready. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready yeah, to be terrified. Yeah. But you, you you activate, you know, the, the various sort of hormone releases and suddenly, you know, your 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 brain is sort of hyper alert and your your pupils dilate and your and your uh, your 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 bronchi dilate and your breathing rate increases, your heart rate increases and your blood pressure goes up and blood flow goes away from that generally away from the skin and any yeah. any any of those uh, functions that probably aren't going to be useful in, in in fight or flight, and and so you you're, you're just trying to supply all the organs that are vital, so muscles really, um, uh, or skeletal muscles at least. Yeah, is that why? But something, hair stand up yeah, exactly you, that you get colder. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, yes, because blood flow has gone, and also that yeah. that all of those muscles, those little. Uh, what they call oh, the erector yeah, muscles yeah, in, in the skin. That they, they, is to, they, they, yeah, it's to get big at yeah, those moments. Yeah. And it, it doesn't it doesn't really work for for us. But if you're a hirsute animal, yeah. then you look bigger. Yeah. But the thing that I, I I really liked and I'd never really thought about is that your your tummy and your intestinal system is not vital at that point, and so blood flow is reduced to that. And that's why you get the sensation of butterflies. Uh, it's just like a strain. Okay. It's like the, it's like your your sort of uh, gastrointestinal function kind of being being put on pause. Yeah, and it just feels weird. And that's what yeah, and that's what is. butterflies is. Yeah, nerves. Yeah, because uh, okay. you're ready. You're ready. Yeah, you're ready to shit yourself. <laughs> yeah. It, well, no. <laughs> Not ready to shit yourself, weirdly. Yeah. <laughs> no, surely it, yeah. it should be working yeah, yeah, at that point. Yeah. yeah, I don't quite know how that works. The colon's flooded with yeah. blood. <laughs> yeah, the colon's like, I'm good to go. I'm good to go. Let's get this out of it. Let's get this out. <laughs> Certainly if you're one of the pussy mice. <laughs> uh, so, so the question is, why do we like being scared? I think the answer is just... Because it's good for us. It's it's good for us. Um, it's a distraction. It's genuinely pleasurable to feel fear in a safe environment. So yeah. your animal brain experiencing that and then your thinking brain saying, and the great news is you don't really need to be scared. Yeah. So it's a weird is, side effect of evolution, effectively. Yeah, yeah. Um, and of, it, of course you evolve to be, it's good to be cautious. Like we're very cautious, yeah. But you'd rather shit yourself seeing a seeing a shadow and be like, "I better run," than not, and then be like, "Oh no, no. Oh, that was a bear. I should have run. That was a bear." <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, I, I think it's I I think it's just that, and it's nice to sort of experience a bit of uncertainty and danger. Yeah. And 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 certain people like it more than others, and that's just partially genetic and it will be partially environmental as well and i think all your brain is really doing is scanning for sort of un unusual things and novelty yeah it's just it's constantly predicting constantly predicting everything and 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 sort of shaking things up a bit it's quite good for it yeah anyway we are Stephen. why do we like being scared we like being scared 
because it gives us the opportunity to experience uncertainty, a fight or flight response, to play with our brain's capacity for pattern recognition and to tweak it just a little bit and to know without question, given that it's fictional horror that we're seeing, that we will survive. That's a great experience for this. That allows us to look at our world in ways that we're really frightened to look at otherwise and to answer some pretty tough questions that we otherwise were afraid to ask. So that thing about ultimately you know you will survive yeah. is, is, is the key, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, you know, this is just a pretend, it's just play. Mm. You know, you're, yeah. not, you're not a pussy mouse. <laughs> you just you just put yourself you've chosen to be here the, the, the pussy right. mouse is not enjoying any of this though, no no there's no pleasure unfortunately yeah. No. yeah and some of us are pussy mice yeah in a way yeah get in touch if you are but you don't I mean you don't put yourself in that position no do you? no no which is no. interesting in the sense because it, it can be pleasurable and yet you still don't do it but probably not pleasurable for you though if you're a pussy mouse. No. <laughs> and let's face it, we're talking this about is, you here. This is, a, this is a serious science show, right? Which is ended in us trying to work out basically whether I'm a pussy mouse. Yeah, yeah, and you are. <laughs> yeah, I think I am, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Eureka is a stack production presented by Dr. Michael Brooks and Rick Edwards. The production team is Temi Adebayo, Katie Baxter, Luke Moore and Charlie Morgan. Sound design by Katie Baxter. Special thanks to today's expert, Professor Stephen, don't call me Professor, Schlossman. Please subscribe and rate wherever you listen to your podcast. It does make a massive difference. We also really love hearing from you guys. So if you have any burning questions you want us to answer, drop us an email at eureka at stack.london or you can find us, as always, on Twitter at EurekaPod. Eureka is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.